Good evening, good evening, Baltimore. Welcome to Man in the Mirror. I'm your host, Ezekiel L. Montgomery, along with our co-host, Michelle Johnson. And we are truly excited and honored this evening because we have the great pastor, Clinton S. Adams of Greater St. John Full Gospel Church with us this evening, and we will be interviewing this great man of God and getting the 411 about his life and his ministry. But as always, we will get started uh, with the word of prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for Rising up this morning, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for our lying down last night, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for love. We thank you, Lord, for grace. We thank you, Lord, for mercy, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this man of God that we have on the show this evening. We just ask you just to continue to bless him in a mighty way, Lord, as he tells us his story, Lord. And he tell, tells us about his mission in life for you, Lord, and how he became the man he is today, Lord. We ask you. We ask you to bless upon the listening audience, Lord, continue to bless them in a mighty way, Lord. Help them just to hear something good. If they didn't know you, Lord, that they will come to know you, but to know you as the be and ask them to their heart and forgive them of their true sins, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and are going to do. And we give you all praise, glory, and honor in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Hezekiah. Glad to be back. Excellent, and we want to just, you know, give honor to the great pastor, Pastor Clint Adams. Welcome to the show, Pastor. Hey, how you doing tonight, sir? Good, good, good. And as always, I'm going to actually, if you have any questions, you know, for our pastor, please press the number one on your phone, and you will be put on our queue. Michelle is actually in, uh, we'll be uh, monitoring, monitoring the guest room. And I see we have some guests in there. That's a good good thing. We have some guests in there. So we want you guys, if you're in the guest room, the show be monitoring that as we go on with our interview. And a little about um, Reverend Adams. Reverend Adams was born um, November 10, 1971, to Clyde and Joanne Adams in Baltimore, Maryland. He graduated from, uh, I always get this word wrong, Bergenthal Vocational Technical High School and later received his honorable discharge from the United States Marines Corps. After five and one-half years of service, he currently works at the United States Postal Service as a mail carrier. Reverend Adams graduated from the Baltimore School of Bible and recently graduated from Arlington Bible College with an Associate of Arts degree in Biblical Studies. Reverend Adams is the husband of Nicole Adams and the father of six children, Tere, Shere, Rayshawn, Rayana, Calvin, and Clinton Jr. Excuse me, um, Pastor, if I got it wrong. I tried my best. Reverend Adams was raised in the church and nurtured by his father and mother to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. After reading a track, he he, um, came upon referring to accepting Christ. He prayed, and the Lord miraculously changed his life one day in April of 2002. And with that said, Pastor, I'm going to let you go. We want to know your, you know, your story. You know, one thing about Man in the Mirror uh, mantra is real people, real stories, real overcomers. Because you know, when you become a pastor, people think you're Superman. That you, you know, you you that Clark Kent. That you know that people think that you know you've never been nowhere and. You don't bleed or, you know, but they don't realize you're a regular person, too. You've been all over. You spent time in the Marines. You grew up in Baltimore. You have, you know, you had parents that, you know, that you up in Christ. So, again, with that said, I'm going to let you just tell us your story, you know. So, to like, you know, before, before you, you know, when you were growing up, you know, you know, what you were going through in school, you know, what happened with you and um, why you were in the Marines. And just tell us your story. Okay. Well, um, basically, um, I was brought up in a church by my mom and my and my dad. And um, I basically have the uh, same story like most pastors, but just a little different. Um, 
when I was coming up, my uh, my mom and my dad, we wasn't poor or anything, but we uh, actually, uh, like I said, was in the church, and we they bought us a church, took us to church. But um, when I got of age of um, understanding, I just didn't want that life of church anymore. And um, with my uncles and things like that, um, it would get us into the drug life, and um, because we didn't have the shoes and the clothes and all the things that the other kids had, so I was looking for that life to actually just want to be recognized and be known and um, trying to have the best clothes. And um, that's when I started actually in high school with um, a couple of friends of mine, um, Eddie Jackson and um, Damon Jones, um, just a couple of close friends of mine still to this day. And um, just started dealing, you know, drugs and things like that. And then I got into the street mm -hmm. life and um, coming straight out of high school, I went into the Marine Corps because I wanted something better for myself. My mom always told me, she said, um, there's something, you know, special about you and I don't want you in this life. They tried to send me to college. I didn't want to go to college. I just knew the Marine Corps was something that I wanted to do for myself with another friend of mine, which he he ended up not going, so I got stuck in, in the Marines. Uh, met oh, my. Friends, <laughs> met some new friends there. Um, from Baltimore um, that I really got close to, one um, being Jarrell Harris and my brother, he followed me and um, things like that. So um, got into the Marines, went to Japan for a year, um, and I came home. And when I came back to um, Baltimore, that's when I um, started, while I was in the Marines, started dealing um, some drugs while I was in the Marine Corps. And I'm hmm. just giving you this brief story and speed it up a little bit, you know, because I know. Oh, don't don't speed it up because this is what okay. our people need to hear because this is okay. this is what this is what my pastor calls the meat and potatoes. People need to hear that. That's why I'm again our mantra is real people grow stories, real overcomers. You know, we don't get to where we are just like just like that. We get to where we are by a process, and you were going through your process, so continue, you know, because I'm enjoying it. Okay, so when I came, when I when I, when I I was in the Marine Corps, I just, well, I'll rewind that a little bit. When I was in the Marines, um, um, like I said, I went to Japan for, for, for one year, and um, everything in my life was going going pretty good. I was um, 17 years old. Um, I, I, I came home from Japan, and I end up doing the wrong thing. I end up hooking back up with the friends that um, I was actually um, involved with drugs, and and that I brought them down to North Carolina. We we opened up some drug spots, and things were going good. I had the money, I had the women, and uh, I would come back and forth from from Baltimore. Um, we would actually have drugs from um, from um, New York. To, to, to Baltimore, and then we would come back to North Carolina. So I did that for a few years, and, and, and then, of course, you know, we always get caught. And um, I got caught, um, did a little bit of break time, and um, I'm glad that I can tell the story now. At one time, I was uncomfortable with the story, but now I'm, I'm saved in Christ, and I can tell people my story so we can actually help people out. I can help people out through my testimony. So when I um, when I um, got in trouble in the Marine Corps, um, I was bent, I was broken, um, did some um, some some jail time because of um, the drugs that I was selling. I got caught, and then I had went to my court martial, and even then, of me not being saved, God actually was still on my side. Um, when I went for my court martial, I actually got a honorable discharge because I was a good Marine. I just got hooked up with the wrong people. So um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I came back to Baltimore and I asked um, at my court martial, I had asked um, at the time, my colonel, I said, look, I said, please don't send me back to Baltimore because it's not going to be good. I was a sergeant at the time, the E-5. Um, for my punishment, they um, bust me down to an E-3. And um, I, I begged them not to do that. I wanted to go back to the brig and do some time because I earned that E5. I earned that sergeant position. 
And then when I actually um, came home, after they kicked me out, he wouldn't let me um, earn my E-5 or keep my, my status at the time. So I actually came back to Baltimore. And when I came back to Baltimore, again, I hooked up with some friends. And um, in one year, um, it was some things that happened to me. I got locked up um, and things like that and, you know, was doing the wrong thing. And um, I remember, you know, talking to my mom. I just telling my mom that I I just need to come home to to you and like a good mom you know no matter what your son do she always accepted me um, I got a job at the time I was only making um, six dollars an hour because I couldn't do anything um, making money because of uh, what happened my jail time my um, um, things that was on my record so um, my dad got me a job and I remember. Um, coming um, just sitting in the bathroom and I always remember my mom she had told me she said um whenever whenever things whenever things would get thick for you or things would get tough for you you need to call on the name of Jesus Christ and um, I went into the bathroom I was you know again I was broken in spirit and I sat there and um, somebody actually left a track. I know a lot of people don't get saved by track these days, but that's what saved me. And I remember the track sitting. I went in the bathroom not even to actually use the bathroom, but just to 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 cry because I didn't have anything. Life was, was down for me. And um, I had um, told my mom um, that when, I, when, when things would get thick for me that I would call on the name of Christ. And on that particular track, I remember signing my name of actually accepting Christ as, as Lord and Savior. Um, I actually, um, was, was then some miraculous things were happening in my life. I uh, fell asleep one night, and that was a night that um, I had a dream where I seen um, angels. It was me, my brother, and... Um, my uncle standing in this dream. At the time, I thought it was real, not knowing that I was actually dreaming. So I'm in the dream, and I, I, I say to um, um, my brother, it's pouring down raining, and I say to my uncle, I said, um, I think we should go in. And my grandmother was over the porch saying, y'all come in because it's raining. So an angel actually, um, three angels came down. The sky was pitch black. It's pouring down raining. Um, three angels come down, pick me. Uh, my brother and my uncle uh, take us to heaven. Uh, they take us through the clouds. They take us through space. And um, here we are in the glory. Um, I, I know now the Shekinah glory of heaven. And as I'm actually um, in the presence of God, I could not see him, but I can hear a voice. The angel drops us off. When he drops us off, um, our angels drop us off. My, I hear God says to my uncle, come in. Um, I hear him say to my brother, come in. Um, it gets to me. I hear no audible voice of God, and um, my angel comes back, appears, and picks me up, takes me back through space, takes me um, through the clouds, take, takes me um, 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 through, um, through the space and everything, and sits me back down and, and on earth. And it's raining, and my angel is actually leaving the presence of me, and I'm actually crying now. And I'm saying um, to my angel, you know what's going on, because I know my mom always tell, told me if you never make it in heaven, then you would go to hell. So I knew at that time that I was going to hell. Well, I looked at my angel fly halfway up into the sky. Um, when he seen me crying and looking at, at him, he comes back down to me and he says, um, don't worry, um, God is going to save you. He has a task and a work for you to do. And that's what he said to me. And he said he's going to reveal to you your job. Um, I woke up from the dream. And when I woke up from the dream, I was actually laying in bed um, next to, um, at the time, she was my girlfriend, which is my, my wife, Nicole Adams. Now, um, I said, she woke up and she said, why are you crying? And I said, I can't tell you right now. But my mom, she was living with me. And I went to her and I said, I'm. Um, I had a vision from God. I said something was going on in my life, and God is going to show show God is going to show you or show me what I have to do. My mother said, "Just trust, trust, trust God. He's going to show you." 
um, I went back to work and um, I get a phone call and uh, uh, Mr. Health Department um, and I said they asked could they speak at the time again I was I wasn't didn't have the right names and things like that and only people from the streets knew me as Clinton Jones um, I was actually um, received a phone call from the health department and a lady asked me to come down to the health department on Caroline Street she said to me she said um um, somebody that you actually have been with um, has um, acquired the um, 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 AIDS. And um, she said, we're not saying that you have that particular disease, but we're saying that the person gave your name because of a group of men that she'd been with. And it terrified me. It terrified mm -hmm. me. Um, I got into my truck. Once I left out of the place, and I, I, I didn't, again, know how to pray. I didn't really know um, or have a relationship with God. And I asked God, I said, God, if, if if you really spoke to me, then I know that you didn't bring me this far to have me die in this way. And um, I said, if you, if you saved me, I, and I know that you saved me from what I've read, I said, could you please give me an opportunity and when I come back down here I'll witness to everybody into this place um, I actually um, didn't tell anybody about the phone call um, a week later I went back down and the lady she um, said come on in the back and uh, I went in the back and she began to cry and um, from, from her crying I thought that something was wrong with myself um, she said to me, she said, no, no, there's nothing wrong with you. She said, um, from the time you left, I've been praying for you. And she said, um, you're actually negative. Nothing is wrong with you. And, and uh, she said to me, she said, but I want to give you something that most people don't know, and I want to tell you something. She said, um, I want to tell you that this, um, the AIDS disease stays in a person or can be dormant or hide in the body for 10 years. Um, and I was kind of scared about that. But at the time, she grabbed my hand and she prayed. And um, I left out of the clinic and um, out of that room. And I actually handed everybody a track and witnessed to everybody and told them in that place that now is the time for you to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. I went to my grandmother's house at the time. She was 70 years old, and I witnessed to her, told her everything that happened. I told her, I said, um, Grandma, you're getting older. You know, you're doing some things. Um, uh, my grandmother was the typical, pretty much older thug woman as well, doing some things. <laughs> crap houses, you know, running crap houses, um, car games, you know. So I wow. said, you know, Grandma, you need to, you need to accept Christ. You know, when I told her my story. So she accepted Christ. And that was wow. the first person I led to, to, to Christ um, was my grandmother. Um, a few years after that, um, not even, I think, I believe a few years, my grandmother ended up passing away. So I knew God had a purpose for me to actually witness, you know, to her. Because that, even though I led a lot of people to Christ, that, that one was more important to me because I know that, God saved me for the very purpose because my mother been saved for years, but she never could lead my grandmother to, to Jesus Christ. And I was the one that God used, the vessel that God used to actually lead my grandmother to Christ. Um, at that at that time, I said, God, I need to know the person that um that gave me this or not give, she didn't give me anything. I didn't have it or accused me or said that I was, you know, pretty much, um, you know, put me on that list of gentlemen. You know, I'm actually nice or, or good now, but I'll, I'll get to that part later. But um, she, she um, um, God revealed to me, one of my best friends, his name is Edward Jackson, very, very close friend of mine. Um, my best friend actually to this day, he said, he, he, he said to me, and he called me one day, um, this was about almost a good year later. He was incarcerated. He came home, and he said, well, he was in a drug program. And he said, well, Ray, um, I met this girl, man. I, I need you to meet her. 
and he kept pushing the issue. And I said, um, I said, man, you want me to meet this girl? I'll meet her. So we met up um, Northeast Market. I get up there, you know, for confidentiality. I won't say her name. Um, soon as she seen me, he was dating her. And he told me, he said, man, she's a beautiful woman. The only thing that's wrong with her, she has the um, HIV AIDS virus. I said, man, why would you want to date somebody like that? He said, I love her. You know, and um, when I actually went to meet them, she seen me and I seen her, and she just bust out crying. And I said, what's wrong? You know, and she said, Ray, um, at the time, you know, I didn't know. Um, I didn't, didn't know that... Um, or who gave me this this disease? But after after the fact of myself, she ended up messing with a drug dealer who actually got her hooked on heroin. She ended up shooting, and that's how she acquired that disease. So um, it kind of hurt me, you know, and and things like that. But God revealed to me, and He wanted to give me a surety that. Don't worry about anything. You don't have this, but he used that to get my attention. And um, Amen. Um, 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 after that, um, I said I was going to be on fire for the Lord. Um, I was actually going to Mount Pleasant Baptist Church at the time on Radically Avenue, and I always would go and I would sit in the back. And um, I just wanted to learn some things of God that my mother never told me or the church never told me, so... God would speak to me. He said, you can't learn in this church. You're going to have to leave um, this church. So I end up going to the church I'm currently at where the pastor, um, my pastor, he turned the church over to myself. His name is Pastor Robert J. McCoy. He, he um, would watch me and everything. But I came because, again, my girlfriend at the time was coming here and I always could hear this pastor could sing, and I wanted to know, you know, what what person um, my wife was listening to, and why she wouldn't come to church with myself. But I came here, and um, he seen some things in myself, and um, that's when I went to the Baltimore School of the Bible. Um, wanted some more information, not to become a pastor, a minister, or a deacon. At the time, I just wanted to learn about the Christ, about my Lord, the one that actually saved me. I wanted to learn all that I could so that way I can give people more information about um, um, Jesus Christ and, and the blood of Christ, the cross, um, Calvary, um, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ. And um, I went to the Baltimore School of the Bible. Um, I went there. I actually graduated in three years, and, and I didn't have enough information, so then that's when I went to Arlington um, Bible College, um, got, um, received my um, degree there, and um, I'm going to further my education because I'm going back to school. Um, actually, this this year to actually begin to start working on uh, my doctorate degree. And um, now I'm, I'm currently... Um, the pastor again of um, Greater St. John Full Gospel Baptist Church, where um, I, I can say I'm really proud that God has given me a group of individuals, people, uh, with um, just to name a few um, um, Reverend Gladney, uh, um, Evangelist Wilson, uh, Deacon Mark McGarrow, uh, Davon Carter, Deacon Carter. Um, is a, we have a few deacons here and um, just, just, just a few, um, Linda, um, and he just has placed me over a great flock of people that um, that actually listen to um, the word um, through the spirit of God that comes out of myself. And we're growing. We, we're about, um, I want to say, on record, around about sixty members. So we're actually growing, and 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 God is continue continuously growing our church, our little church. You've been here, um, um, Hezekiah. You've been here, and um, You've seen it, and every every Sunday the church is just overflowing. And, um, so I'm not in it. I'm not in this in this to be the best pastor. I want to be humble. I want to um, mm-hmm. walk in humility, and I want to set the example that Jesus set when he washed the disciples' feet. And I want to show that true example and um, have a self-sacrifice and love for other individuals and 
just lead people to the Christ that saved me, and I'm I'm a living witness. I suppose to actually be in prison right now. Um, I suppose I suppose to have a disease, and 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 these things that now that God has delivered me from these things that tried the devil tried to take from me my life from me. I can honestly say um, that 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 God has blessed me, and now I'm on fire for Him. I've been saved for 15 years. This April coming April 1st, it'll be 16 years. Um, again, Amen. I, I thank God for my wife. Um, she, you know, she's my backbone. I don't know where I would be without her. You know, so I have six children. We have six children. Um, something that I used to be ashamed of because people look down on you for that. But now, because I'm free in Christ, I, I just I'm on fire for Him. And I, I you know, sometimes you want to hear how people feel, but when Christ sets you free, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear because it's somebody that needs mm-hmm. to hear your testimony so people can be free so i always tell people you know i was stuck in um sexual immorality that was my sin that was my sin you know i had to sleep with a with new women every day um, um every every night every week me and my brothers and my crew we would go to the club the party just so we can find new women but god has freed me from that and he has set me free and and now I'm not afraid to tell young young men, hey, look, God can set you free from anything. You just have to be a willing vessel for him to use you. And um, once you be willing for him to use you, he'll turn what people call trash. He'll turn it into his treasure. So I thank God for working in me. You know, a little east side boy from down the hill, street for street, and Ashland Avenue. And I thank God for for what he has done in my life. Hey, man, you are listening live with Man in the Mirror with your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, and co-host Michelle Johnson, and we are having a one-on-one, two-on-one, whatever you want to call it, conversation with the beloved Clinton S. Adams of Greater St. Pastor Clinton S. Adams of Greater St. John Full Gospel Church, and this man was on fire. He has a story. He has been telling us our story. You can call in at 917-889-2271 or log in at, at www.blogtalkradio forward slash man dash in dash the mirror. If you're in the chat room, Michelle is monitoring the chat room. If you have any questions for our pastor, you know, because he has told us a story. I'm, I basically wrote a book, and you know, for questions and stuff after you know, ask him when it's question time. But, uh, you know, I can't keep up with everything he does. And he said, I'm going to have to, you know, we have to have him on again. But he was just telling us his story, honest, of who he was, where he came from, and where he's been. And, you know, that's one thing we talk about, man and the mayor, real people, real stories, real overcoming, because we have to look at ourselves as people, man in the mirror, woman in the mirror, looking at ourselves in the mirror. And that mirror is actually the Bible. Um, and a lot of people don't understand, okay, where did you get the, you know, the, the man in the mirror from? Um, and it comes from James 1, 23 to 25. And, if it's, and I'm going to read that to you because this is his story. Anyone who looks in the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, which is the word, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And once Pastor got himself together, he you know he brushed himself off, got himself together, and now he's doing a great work for God. And we're going to take a break, a few minutes break. We have a couple um, notes from our sponsors. Music Instructions for All Learners, Inc., where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction, such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, please contact us at 443-574-5491 to set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. And please visit our new and improved website at www.mefile.com. That's M-I-F-A-L-I-N-C dot org, dot org. Thank you. Another sponsor is Kirby Boss Project. Kirby Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full-figured women 
Kirby Chicks of All Chicks too. not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on their Facebook page at Curvy Boss Project. Um, we're going to take a break, as I said, and we'll be back with a live interview with Pastor, the one and only, Clinton S. Adams.
All right. And we actually have another caller that wants to ask a question today. And it's a caller ending in number 1844. Again, caller ending in number 1844. Welcome to the man in the mirror. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I have two questions for Pastor Clinton S. Adams. Pastor Adams, what are your difficulties of being a young pastor, and how do you feel about young pastors in today's society? Uh, One of the difficulties, I believe, in being um, a young pastor, and I believe um, you're staying young in the ministry. I'm getting up there. (laughs) I'll be 46 this year. But one of the things that I actually um, can see that um, I would say a difficulty in the ministry is actually um, with um, the actual um, spiritual part of individual people. One thing that I understand is that people um, come into the church, and uh, when they come into the church, um, everybody is not spiritual or on the level of uh, certain other individuals. So being a, a young pastor of actually dealing with people um and their spiritual walk with Christ, um, especially, you know, some immature um, people, and still showing them the love of Christ. Um, that's one of the difficult things that I struggle with. But um, if Christ could deal with me and he placed the spirit inside of me, then I also believe that I can also deal with people. So ministry can be hard, but when you're actually doing ministry through the spirit of God, it can be um, fairly easy as well. Okay, and what was that second question? Uh, my second question is, uh, how do you feel about young pastors in today's society? Well, I, um, I feel I feel as though um, if God has called young pastors in the church, that's a difficult topic for me. Um, I have my personal view, and I guess I can share it. Um, I believe that um, when it comes to ministry. Uh, that um, young men should start around the age of 30. Um, when Christ actually um, started his ministry at the age of 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. Um, for 18 years, you have you didn't hear anything from Christ. And um, I believe um, at the age of 30, um, uh, when the Jewish custom, the Jewish custom um, allows for a man to be a man or, or to go into ministry, I would say, I believe we should start at that time. That would give us time to actually sit under a well-groomed pastor to learn certain things, to do certain things, and um, pulpit etiquette. I'm actually studying the Word of God, go to school and learn some things. And then I believe that um, a young pastor, when he gets around that age, would be um, perfect for ministry. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, Carla, for calling in. You're so welcome. All right. I love it. We have our young people calling in today, Hezekiah, so that's, that's I think that's beautiful. And, and Pastor, so along that line of questioning and questioning that um, our young person was asking, um, I guess, like, do you feel that God have you ministering i know i know ministering is a broad you know thing so we can minister to people about everything you know that's ever mentioned or ever comes up in life it's all mentioned in the bible god has a word to say about it all but do you feel like that god you know has something particularly heavy in your heart that you really like to minister to or want to minister to people who are dealing with anything in particular? Um, I would actually say on um, on that line, I believe um, one of the things that's actually on my heart is that I'm, I'm really interested in the homeless. That's hmm. one of my pet peeves. Um, another, another one of the ministries that I'm interested in um, I, I, I believe the church has lost is actually the evangelizing of the world, the Great Commission. Um, I always tell the church that we have to get the uh, the gospel out 
um, when we have Muslim um, Christians um, actually being converted to Christian, Muslims being converted to Christians, um, where they don't have Bibles, they don't have um, proper um, equipment to help them build themselves up um, in other lands, especially when we're dealing with um, ISIS and things like that. That's another one mm-hmm. in the ministry. So what we, you know, what we actually try to do at Greater St. John is that we, that I tell the church is that the way that the church will grow is based off of James 1 and 27, where it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. So another ministry besides the two that I mentioned also is dealing with um, um, young boys and girls as we deal with the orphanage, as we deal with nursing homes, and things of the such to actually do the true work of God. And I believe by doing God's business in those particular areas I just mentioned, I believe that's how God actually grows the church. Amen. So it sounds like your church is, is very outreach-focused, fo- which which we are supposed to be. But, you know, some, and you can see it, as you were saying, we kind of, some churches have gotten away from it. You know, they're, they're ministering to each other in the church as opposed to ministering to, you know, the people in the corner or the or the young children who are out playing and, and possibly getting into some things they shouldn't be and to the elderly that are not able to be in church and, and you know, like that. So it just sounds like you guys are definitely outreach focused, which is, is awesome because that is the commission that we've been given. Yes, ma'am. That's one of my missions. That's that's my heart, you know, um, to actually reach as many people as I can um, through this small church and actually giving one of um, one of the ministries that I believe in, and I'll actually put it out there, is um, Dr. Michael Youssef, a um, um, preacher that I listen to that actually deal with certain things that I'm interested in. You know, again, um, I always believe if you're about the business of of God, and I believe that He'll be about your business. So I'm I'm very into evangelizing. Something that I learned um, from the Baltimore School of the Bible, where I currently teach as well at the um, Baltimore Amen. School of the Bible, where the um, president there is um, um, Mr. Tomlin, and um, I thank God for the Baltimore School of the Bible. I've been teaching there for four years, so um, and they have actually groomed me into um, the pastor and. Uh, I am today and gave me a heart for certain things like evangelizing. Amen. 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 We're winding down for the last 10 minutes. And I have a couple questions. I'm thankful for callers who called in. Um, now, I'm just going to go back into, you know, your testimony you was giving us. What is the one thing that you want to tell the young people about that life? Wanting those material things because you were raised up in a church, um, but you know you didn't want the church life as it was at then, and so that drew you into going into the drugs. What would you tell the young people? It's twofold. As a um, the first part is, what would you tell the young people wanting that life of those material things? Mm-hmm. Well, what I would tell the young people today is that the life will either bring you two things. The life of being um, a drug dealer will bring you two things. Um, it will either bring you um, prison time or it will bring you death. I believe that everybody that was actually in the game of selling drugs or dealing drugs, if you're out and if they're listening, they're out for uh, a purpose that God has actually set for them. They just don't understand it as of yet. But I would tell a young person and they um, it's not something that you want to do um, because especially in these times where our young black men um, being driven by demonic forces don't care about life. So it's not something that our young men, our young black men, our young men, period, white men, um, whatever man you are, woman, we, 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 we don't, I would tell them don't get into it, don't do it. Um, the best thing is to stay in church, listen to your mother, because my mother tried to tell me, and I wouldn't have to have to went through a lot of things I went through 
if I only would have listened and accepted Christ when I was younger and just stayed in the church and um, did the work of the Lord. Okay. Okay, that's that's good. I know. And you did you take care of the second one. Now, what do you want, you know, what made you want to go back, you know, back and forth to the wrong crowd after being in the Marines? Because, you know, they say, what is there's a definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. So what was it that drew you back into the wrong crowd, even though you were trying to improve yourself by going to the Marines? What pulled me back, drove me back there was, and if I can use, you know, a little bit of scripture, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Um, Okay. I just wanted the, um, the Marines, I was a good Marine, but when you are in the Marine Corps and you drive in a, uh, say for a Chevy, and you're doing the right thing for the United States of America, and you come home and you see your friend that's not in the Marine Corps, and he's driving a BMW or a Mercedes-Benz, and you say, well, mm-hmm. I can make this little bit of money right here, and the Marines will make more money doing that. So that life of my flesh wanting to be fed by the kids of the world and what I see, what I have seen um, in that business, it drove me back just to dibble and dabble, only to find out that the devil was just setting me up for destruction. Wow. Okay. And other question, um, explain to those who are just joining us. We thank you for calling in. If you have any questions for our um, our doctor tonight, Dr. Adams, you can, you know, press number one on your phone and, you know, you'll be put in the queue. Um now, you know, near the end of your testimony, you said that you missed, I basically called them two bullets. You were either out in the world, you, you know, you were doing drugs and everything and selling drugs. You didn't get those bullets, but you, you know, but you, you know, actually missed two bullets with, you know, doing the drugs and also with the AIDS. So what would you, again, what would you tell anybody, you know, you know, of the lifestyle, what those lifestyles can lead to? That goes from teenagers up to grown adults. Well, I wouldn't say that I, I wasn't on wasn't on the actual drugs that I was selling. But again, okay. that lifestyle actually leads to, and I'll use for example one of my friends. Um, right now he's in prison again for confidentiality. He's in prison facing a hundred years. Me and him are the same age right now. And when you look at that, that much time being given to a person that won't see, again, the outside world, it leads to that. It leads to death. I, I went to numerous funerals where friends have been shot, friends have been stabbed, and they have died. All my friends are in prison. And it also leads to something that I believe that most people who are not in the game don't talk about because... Um, you have to, most of drug dealers have tried the drugs that they sell, and their mind now is gone. So it either leads you to prison, it leads you to death, or it leaves it leave you crazy. And um, I thank God for keeping me in my right mind. I thank God for not giving me the prison time, even though I've done prison time, um, and um God giving me the job that I have now. I don't suppose to have this job, but it was by the grace of God, me getting things expunged off my record, you know, and things like that. That now I can honestly say, and most people won't believe the testimony by how the the person that I am today. But it leads to these things. It leads to destruction. Is the trap of Satan to get you to embarrass you before he kill you, and that's what it leads to. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, we're winding down for the last few minutes. Any closing comments, Michelle? Well, you know, always have to just really thank our guests because, you know, we are totally blessed by the testimonies and the things that we, the stories and the and the lives that our guests have have led, and so. 
um, Reverend Adams, I really do want to to genuinely thank you for giving your testimony and for allowing the listening audience um, to be able to hear your testimony because you know your your testimony is your testimony is the average you know life of of a young person like you. I think you even said it somewhere in the conversation where you were like you know, a young guy from the east side and was saying the name of the street you lived on and all that. So, you know, we we known a lot of young people like that. They they lived on the east side, inner city neighborhoods, things like that. They struggle with some of the same things that you struggle with. And so that testimony that you've given and and what you've told our listening audience today is definitely relatable. And so I just pray that, you know, someone was blessed by it, and I'm sure they were. So we thank you for, you know, coming on and being able to share your testimony and share, you know, how God has placed on you the 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 duty to go out and, and, and minister to these definitely to to the certain groups of people that you were naming like our homeless, some of the most vulnerable people and our young people, um, to minister to them. So I think that's a blessing and I just pray, you know, that God just enlarges your territory and that he blesses you even the more in your ministry and in your outreach. Amen. I think we have another caller, which is good, that um, is on the line. You can take care of that one, Michelle. Oh, they popped up there. Okay. So, caller ending in 8615. Again, caller ending in 8615. Welcome to Man in the Mirror. Hello. Okay, we may have lost our caller. Caller Indian 8615, did you have a question for our guest? Yep, I think we lost our caller. Okay, that's fine. But, um, Pastor, you have any closing remarks? Um. Always, um, as one of my closing remarks, Amen. In the, in the time that I have left, would always be, um, which, which by now, um, Hezekiah, you know me by now that um, I'm a man of the gospel of Christ. If I were to leave anything, I would leave people um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is, Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. That He was buried for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He rose again for our sins according to the scripture that he was seen by his disciples and over 500 brethren. I think that's the most important thing as I leave the people tonight to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord as well as their Savior for the pardon of their sins. Amen. And I'd like to thank all of you who have been listening and talking with our guests this evening. We are truly have enjoyed our interview with Pastor Clinton Adams. As always, Pastor Adams is now part of our man and the mayor family. If you have any questions, the information will be put in our page. And Pastor, I truly want to thank you for coming on this evening, sharing your test that powerful testimony with us. And again, you can tell your friends and family that it will be on demand. I'll put it on your page after the whole, you know, as it has downloaded. But um, as always, this is Hezekiah uh, Montgomery, and we'll see you at the Mirror. Thank you. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can come on let him know I give myself away 